If you've ever considered starting a business of your own, if you've ever wanted to be self-employed, or if you already are and want support, I think this episode will help you a lot. It helped me a ton. Today's guest probably is one of the most influential people in my life that has helped my freelance business. For those that don't know, aside from this podcast, aside from the Instagram and all this personal development stuff I put out, I have a freelance videography business where I get to work with amazing entrepreneurs and help them put their message and brand into video form. I really love helping these amazing people spread their messages farther. And Sean, our podcast guest today, has helped me grow my business probably more than anybody else. But before I get into this episode, I want to thank you for checking out my podcast. My name is Max McCoy, uh, and this is Looking Up. I usually bring on guests that can help me in any way of my journey, whether it's with my mind, my body, my spirit, my career. I'm trying to live a very intentional life. I'm trying to live a healthy life. And I try to bring on people that can help me do that. And I love being able to share these conversations with you guys. I also do solo episodes. If you don't know, check them out. And those solo episodes, I go a little deeper on particular topics. They're a little bit shorter than the normal interviews. And that way I can kind of just really alchemize all the things I've learned through all these guests, through all the books I've read, through all the experiences I've had, and try to put them into a compact podcast for you. If you haven't already, please leave a review for the podcast. That helps these um, these things keep going. I'm doing this for free, so those help a ton. And exciting news. I started a newsletter. If you're interested in getting books I'm reading, quotes I'm digging on, journal prompts I'm using to progress my mentality, uh, reflections, or anything else I can think of, any other resource I can think of to share with you, definitely sign up for this newsletter. I'm going to include a link in the show notes. I'm putting so much energy in this. Um, I think there's 30 of you guys that signed up for the first round of this. Um, So this is like a very intimate little tribe that I'm trying to build. And with you guys, I'm really looking to put a lot of energy there and just trying to support you and your growth while I grow. So it's really a cool opportunity for us to be connected in real time. As I work through things, I can share resources that I'm working on. Check that out. Link in the show notes, but let's get on with it. Our guest today is Sean McCabe. Sean wrote uh, a book called Overlap, Start a Business While Working a Full-Time Job. He's also the founder of SeanWest.com and the host of Sean West Podcast. His podcast has been such a resource to me. I can't recommend it enough. Check it out if you're self-employed or want to be. Um, It's really helped me just transform my freelance business, so I can't recommend it enough. Um, He essentially helps people shift from doing what they don't want to do into what they really want to do. Sean helps people go from you know having this idea of something that they want to do to actually doing it um, and I know a lot of people say that but Sean I think is one of the best at just allowing people to step into the shoes they want to fill he helps people do work they love uh, and so Sean has been one of the most influential people in my career and this podcast was actually the first time I got to meet him so it's pretty special and we talk all about his book his message how he helps people We give actionable advice. He gives me tangible advice that I can use right now. uh, And I know this episode will have value for you. If you've ever wanted to start a business, if you already have started some sort of business for yourself, this will help. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for checking out my podcast. There's a lot of podcasts you could be listening to. So yeah, that's it. Long intros. I'm sorry about that. I try to keep them short, but sometimes you can't keep them short. You know what I mean? All right. That's enough. Here's the podcast with Sean McCabe. So we just recorded a podcast. We're going round two. Um, 
there was one thing that there was a thread in that last one that I wanted to pull that I was like, I'll wait for the next was, uh, this idea that most people don't wake up with like, and I, I'm falling into this even right now. I think I have woken up with like, this is what I'm doing today. I'm so excited. There's something that pulls me to get out of bed. Um, Talk to me about what it feels like when that's not the case, because I think the beautiful thing about what you do, man, and you've done it for me, is like help people really align with who they want to be, what the kind of work they want to do, not so that they can be like rich and famous and successful, but so they can get that feeling when they wake out of bed, like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think that's what's beautiful about your work. So as weird of a question as that is, like, what's that feeling like for you when you wake up excited and 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 I don't know. What's that like? Well, you don't hit the snooze button. Yeah. That's the first thing. Yeah. So you're just ready to go. You can't wait. When you go to bed at night, you can't wait to wake up in the morning because you're just excited. That vision is pulling you forward. You don't feel like you're pushing yourself. You don't feel like you're just kind of dragging your feet. Um, you got you got somewhere to be. You got stuff to do and you're you're eager. Like you're 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 fulfilled but you're unsatisfied hmm. Hmm. and is that like sustainable for people was it is it for you that's a good question i i think it it if for it to be sustainable it has to evolve because eventually eventually you're going to reach whatever that thing is that you're going for and i've learned from people like grant cardone to set big goals it's it's a controversial topic. Some people say set attainable goals. He says, I've never been more disappointed than when I set a small goal and reached it. Mm. So I, I take that and I like to set big goals. Yeah. You know, like Elon Musk talking about being a multi-planetary species. You know, you, yeah. you need to think big because it forces you to take massive action. How long does it take to write a book? a month, a year, 10 years, a lifetime. Some people never write a book. In my case, I ended up writing my first book in two weeks. My second book, I thought, what if I just give myself a day? And I kind of made a game out of it. Wow. So I said, I'm going to try and write 100,000 words in a day. Wow. And I live streamed the whole thing. Wow. And the way I did it was by dictating. So I happen to know that I can speak on average 9,000 words an hour. And they're coherent words. If you transcribe what I'm saying, they wow. would read well. It could be a book. It could be an article. And I had the book in my head. So I ended up making it to 55,000. That's so many words. Which is still pretty good. Like it's a solid draft. I think it took me seven or eight hours. My voice was starting to give out. And I thought, I think I've got almost all of the book that I want. It's probably going to be a little bit shorter than I thought it was. But I say that to say... When, when I shot for a hundred thousand words, I was able to do fifty-five thousand in a day. Mm. If I shoot for ten thousand words, maybe I hit eight thousand. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> um, you talk about, uh, I mean, your book. I want to just say is like you wrote it in two weeks. It's easy, and you even mentioned this in the in the film you guys did about it. Like you would think it's gonna lack quality. Your book. Is so good, and it's called the overlap. So anybody listening who, uh, you know, wants to shift from whatever they're doing into something they really enjoy, I can't recommend it enough, man. Like, 
it was one of those books that I, I sent people, I sent it to people and like, that's, that's the first reaction I had. And like your podcast is the same way. So I appreciate that. I, just to, to speak on it for a moment. For sure. If anyone just feels stuck, yeah, not motivated. That's going to be my question. Doesn't know what they're, what they're passionate about. Or the other thing is you have too many passions. Mm. You don't know which one to choose. And you're, you're the type of person that's, you're striving for greatness, but you feel stuck. Maybe you're in a day job that you hate and you just don't know how to, like, how do I get out of this situation? How do I, some people say like, oh, quit your, quit your job and do what you love. And it makes a nice quote graphic for Instagram, but you still need the practical stuff. Like, okay, I'll, I'll quit my job. I'll do what I love, but how do I actually make money? And what if I don't? And so some people can quit and it works. Like maybe you can jump out of a, a, a plane and build a parachute on the way down and you can tell people the story in a bar, but you don't hear from all the people that went splat, yeah, right? So I true. thought, I think I'm going to write a book for people who need something more practical than just take a leap, right? And and hope that it all works out. Yeah. So I on the note of like the the quality of the book and making sure it resonated, I started out writing that book. I got 20,000 words in. And I realized I'm just I'm just writing a book I wanted to write, hmm. not the book people need to read. Hmm. And so I scrapped that whole draft. And I spent the next three years talking to 200 to 300 people in person at meetups and conferences. Like, what is it you want to do and what's keeping you stuck? Hmm. And then I went back to the drawing board with all of those conversations in mind and rewrote the book. Hmm. And I, I I wasn't about like making money from it. I wasn't about trying to, make this the most successful book in the world. It's just helping someone who feels stuck, maybe doesn't want to be in the job they're in, make that transition. So I decided I'm going to give away this book for free. I mean, if they wanted to like buy a physical copy, they could, but I put, the, I put the whole thing online, right? <laughs> yeah. And so it, that's at overlapbook.com. It's just free to read. It's so good. Um, <clears throat> the practical first step you give people in the, or one of the first steps in the book is like, so what you just said was you help people if they're in a job they hate kind of transition. One of the things that I was surprised to read was that you very much encourage people keep their day job. And uh, I just want to like touch on that because I think I have people that in my audience, even friends that are like, hey, man, I'm ready. Like I see you're freelancing. That looks really cool. You're living in L.A. Like I'm ready. I'm ready to do. It. I'm just going to quit my job. And I'm almost like slow down, slow down. Uh, make sure you like hedge a little bit and. I would love to hear in your words, like, why do you recommend people? Yeah. Like keep yeah, their I day job. Yeah, so yeah. I, what I've seen is if you ever get to the point where let's say the way you're making your money from something you're passionate about is you do work for clients, mm -hmm. like you're a freelancer or a consultant or something like that. Maybe you make films, maybe you design websites, you work for clients. I would say most of us have worked for, a bad client some call them clients from hell and it kind of makes life miserable yeah and what i've seen is when you get a bad client it tends to lead to another bad client and bad clients just lead to more bad clients while good clients lead to good clients and eventually i've seen it happen so many times you can end up killing your passion the thing that you once loved be it film or art or whatever it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth because of those experiences. Mm -hmm. And the reason you ended up working with the bad client who just pushed you around, didn't pay on time, didn't pay at all, 
is you were desperate for the money because you have to pay your bills, right? And so that's that's compromise, right? We know this isn't going to be a good person to work with. We know this isn't a good project. We say yes anyway because of scarcity mindset. It ends up killing the passion. And what I've seen is once the passion is killed, it's dead. Maybe you can find another thing you're passionate about, but I just don't often see that rekindled. And so I desperately wanted to help people avoid killing the passion. And so how can you avoid killing the passion? If we take this client example, how can you work with only good clients? Well, you have to say no to the bad clients, but you have to say no to the bad clients when they're willing to pay you. And what if you don't find the good client? What if you don't find it in time? That's where the scarcity comes in, right? So my solution is instead of just quitting the job, trying to make it work, trying to avoid scarcity and compromise and killing the passion, but also needing money to pay your bills, I just say, hey, let's let's make a transition instead of a leap. Start with the day job as a foundation. It's just a foundational piece to this puzzle. That's going to cover your bills. It's going to cover 100% of your bills. And my recommendation is that the day job be in a different industry than what you're passionate about. Because if you like design and you go work for an agency and maybe you don't like your boss or the project and you're not controlling the clients you work with or how you work or the processes, you know, it, it, and even if you do, let's say you love it, it's using that creative energy so that when you come home, you don't feel like you have much of it left. You're kind of tired. The last thing you want to do when when you're, you know, a designer in your day job is come home and design on the side because hmm. it used that same energy. Whereas if you wash dishes, it's it's a little more humbling. But all day you're like, I can't wait to get home and create something. And washing dishes isn't taking away that creative energy. Hmm. So the way you know the litmus test is, does your day job deplete you of the kind of energy you need to pursue your passion when you come home or does it charge you up Mm. for it do you come home and you just want to collapse on the couch and watch netflix and you're just dead or do you come home like excited ready to go and here's the thing if you've been in a bad day job you you might not even believe such a thing as a good day job exists Mm. because you've just been it's just been sucking your soul away Mm. so i i do say don't quit your job right but it if you hate your job, you need to get another day job. Mm. Like if you hate your job, it, your, your job doesn't have to be something you love. It's just paying the bills right now while we get this thing going, right? Mm. The second half of the book actually talks about how do you get those different streams of revenue? How do you make that transition and eventually leave? Mm. Uh, but it can't be something you hate. Mm. That's the only thing. Yeah. The cool thing that you touch on so much is the, uh, you said it right there, was the scarcity mindset and how if you, I told this to someone, I was on the phone with him and he's, he's trying to become a photographer and I'm a videographer. So he was asking for advice and, uh, and like he was, I, I like quoted you directly because he was like worried about charging his, the price he knows he wanted because he didn't want to lose this client, but he has a day job completely unrelated. And, uh, it's like the ideal circumstance. And I'm like, man, you really have the chance to be in this abundance, like own what you want to be mindset. Like you get to create the shoes you want to fill. You don't have to compromise because if you don't get this client yet, you might hurt your ego a little bit that, but it has nothing to do with you. As you would say, it's, it has to do with their willingness. Isn't where you want it to be to pay you. 
Um, and you're in this power position where exactly. if he didn't have that day job, he would not have been able to turn that down so confidently or ask for the price, which is the hardest part at, at the start, you know, is asking is. for what you're worth. Yes. And, and when you encounter bad client after bad client and people negotiating you down yeah. on your rate, you start to believe there are no good clients out there. Or you believe like, I guess I'm not worth as much as I hoped. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. I guess I'm like, you know, he wants to pay me a hundred bucks. I thought it was worth a thousand. Right. I guess I'm, I'm worthless, you know, I'll take what I can get. But when you've got the day job paying the bills, yeah, you, you can have the confidence to say no. And you, this is sounds crazy if you've never done it, but you will never feel better about yourself than after you turn down a bad client. <laughs> It's like they were willing to give me money, but I I saw all the red flags. I yeah. knew it was going to be miserable, and I said no. Mm. It's just like a freeing feeling, and you, just, it's like your confidence level mm. goes up like by several points. Mm. So uh, on the note of clients, a lot of people think there's good clients, there's bad clients. I would I would say there's a third level, which is great clients, and great clients by definition are few, because if if all clients were great. We just call them clients, you know, yeah. but they're, they're the exception. I don't know if it's 10% or 5% or 1%, but it's not the majority. And the way you get great clients is by saying no, not only to bad clients, but you have to say no to good clients. Mm. If you want to get great clients, you have to say no to everything but great clients. And here's the beautiful thing about great clients. You don't need a hundred of them. Mm. You could have three or six in a year because they pay you well and they pay you well and they don't micromanage. You, you come to them and it's like, hey, do you want this? And it's almost like they're bothered because they're like, that's your job. You're the pro. I trust you. So that's true. why I hired you. Yeah. And you're like, wow, I didn't know it could be this great. They paid me way more than I thought I'd ever make yeah. in a year. Yeah. This project's going to take a couple months. Hmm. I'm going to have 10 more months to work with other clients and I love everything about this. They pay on time, they pay on schedule, they refer me. And the, the thing about great clients is they want to hire you again and again. And and the project, because you got to follow your process because they trust you, turns into an awesome case study hmm. and a testimonial. It's just like win after win after win. And that that's what people are talking about when they talk about this abundance mindset. And it seems a little weird, but it's like when when things are good, it tends to keep coming. Yeah. It's as if that makes sense. It totally makes sense to me. And we like, uh, that's kind of the dialogue I use. It's either scarcity or abundance. And, um, so whether I'm a photographer, videographer, or I make, uh, you know, I sketch or whatever, whatever my art or whatever my business or service is, how do, how does one kind of like, as you would say, uh, align with those great clients? How does, how do I look at that and be like, all right, that's great. I want those. Do I just start keep doing what I'm doing and hope they come around or mm. what's that look like? Cause I know yeah. by definition, you said there are few of them. So what, what nudges me in the right direction yeah. towards those few? Great question. So it starts with mindset yeah, and, and then also the, your circumstances. So that's the overlap thing. Yeah. It's having keep something it coming, that yeah. pays the bills mm. so that you're not constantly tempted because you take a, it's like the it's like the sabbatical stuff in the calendar, you fill up your time with bad clients or even good clients, and there's no room or opportunity for for great clients. So you've got to be in that position to say no, because you're able to pay your bills, you're not desperate. 
But then it's the mindset part. You have to know that you're worth it and you have to believe. It starts with a belief that great clients even exist. The ones I'm describing, I'll tell you a story. Like I hired a photographer just to take like a portrait photo and he did a little shoot, you know, around my office Mm -hmm. and what he charged me, I was like, that's it. I don't remember if it was a hundred or two hundred dollars or something, but like the value I got out of it was far greater. So I, I paid him double, just as like a, hey man, you're worth it. Yeah. Like you're creating value for me. You know, you probably don't even realize it. Yeah. My my book editor, he quoted me something. I'm thinking about my book in terms of like, the, you know, decades, right? I'm I'm writing it in a way to be evergreen, and so this is a big deal to me. Yeah. He he quotes me. I actually stalked him for like six months and, I, and he was, he's super great. So I'm like, this is the guy I want. I'm going to get him. I, I wrote him a proposal. Like I want him to be my editor. Like, please choose me, you know? Mm. Um, and so we end up working together. He sends me a quote. I'm like, man, and it had a comma in it, but I was still like, he, he's worth so much more, you know? Mm. And so I, I ended up paying him 40% more than he quoted me. Wow. And I said, I don't want you to just edit this book. I want you to help me take this book from good to great, whatever that takes, apply your experience, tell me to change things, whatever. And here, I'm going to pay you to do it, Mm. right? When is the last time you sent a proposal to a client, you gave them a quote and they paid you more? Never. Never. But I'm, whether you believe me or not, I'm telling you some stories totally that are real, that, that involve these types of clients. Yeah. They exist. Are they rare? Of course they're rare. But you have to first believe they exist. So I'm trying to help you do that with these stories. Hmm. But then you have to set yourself up to be available to work with them, which means not saying yes to the bad or even good clients. And then third, you need to go where great clients are. What does that mean? Well, you could take it in like a digital or a physical sense. Uh, But I would say the fastest way is physically go where they are Hmm. because as soon as you get one great client, you're in because great clients lead to more great clients. Everyone at that level is networked. It's all relationships. You can go to the head of the class. You can skip and circumvent the whole process. Everything you think about how stuff has to work or does work or convention, throw it all out the window. Oh, you got to have testimonials. You got, you got to have case studies. You got to go through this process. No, true. when that great client refers you to his best friend, that's also a great client. They're both multimillionaires. It's a done deal because of that reputation, that relationship. Hmm. And, and it just cascades. Hmm. I've found that to be true. I've excelled or progressed faster doing content creation through relationships than anything else. And it got to a point where I couldn't even have time to make my portfolio look pretty. It was just like, here, oh, he's he can help, he can help, he can help. And like you said, when someone refers to you, they don't second guess the person that ref- – like they're saying, oh, uh, this guy referred you. Like I trust him with anything. If you're working for him, you can work with me. Uh, and it's a beautiful process, and I like that idea that – because so many people get stuck on the details, myself can be included, overthinking like, am I ready, am I ready? Um, but sometimes you, you can cut the line. And, with me, go ahead. Uh, oh, I was just going to add as yeah. like a very tactical, practical thing you can do. Uh, I'm saying, yeah, you get that first great client, then they can refer you. But how do you actually get them? 
okay, you go to a conference they're going to be at and you run into them. Like, does that mean you get them? What do you say? I would say the best way to get a great client is to do something for them. Not ask, can I do something for you for free? Do it. And, and when I say do something for them, I mean something that is valuable for them. Mm. Not something that you think is valuable, but something that you know they value. Mm. And you know they value because you did your, your research and you did your homework. And so you're looking at their tweets and their blog posts. What is it they're talking about right now? What is it they care about? What is it they're saying on their podcast and in their videos? Mm. Even the little passing mention of like, you know, oh, hey, we should we should probably do that on the website or wouldn't it be cool if we made this video, like mm. the little things like that, mm. make that video, mm. go find all their footage and, you know, chop it up and like do the animations and the transitions about their message and add the music and like send that to them. Mm. Hey, I heard you say this. I wanted to make this for you. It's ready to go. Uh, it, you know, royalty free music. I just want you to use this. You don't have to credit me. Nothing. Here you go. Don't ask for permission. Don't say, can I make this video for you? I saw you wanted it. I'd be happy to do it for free. Mm. That's making them do work. That's making them respond. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Just do it for them. Yeah. Just provide that, I call it no strings attached value. Mm. We're not talking about giving with expectation. We're talking about just giving, mm. pure giving. Here's some value. Here's some value. And value is subjective. It's, it's valuable to them. Mm. You take any item in someone's house one man's junk is another man's treasure. Yeah. Value is subjective, not what's valuable to you. What is valuable to them? And you know, because you did your research, if they don't respond on the first time, do it again, hmm. do it again, do it again. Imagine someone came to you and they just kept writing blog post after blog post about the topic. You're like super wanting to get the message out about hmm. here you go. It's well-researched. It cross links to all of your other stuff you know, feel free to post this. Here's wow. a video I made for you. Here's a graphic for your next newsletter. Like you're just, if someone did this every week, they showed up with something. How could you ignore that? Hmm. Every single person I've hired is from my community. It's hmm. people that showed initiative. Hey, the chat system you made, I made this style sheet for you. It's going to make it better for the other users. I'm like, what, what kind of person shows that initiative? You're hired. It's so true. And it's almost, um, borrowing, I've found when I've done something for free for someone I've wanted to work with, like a great client, even if it hasn't resulted in direct business, it's now given me this portfolio piece of I work with this tier of people. Portfolio piece? It's like or, a it's like a uh, borrowed credibility. Yes. Yeah. Portfolio piece or even if they don't hire you, they might recommend you because mm -hmm. you made such a good impression, which I've mm -hmm. done before. People have given me stuff and I may have not used it or I may have not hired them, but they're on my radar now mm. and I, I recommend them. Because so much of it isn't like the I'm, – I'm trying to tell myself it's not like when they don't work with me, it's not, it has no reflection to do with me often. It's like do they need what I'm offering at that time? It's a lot of synchronicity. It's a lot of good timing. So just like putting yourself out there, providing free value um, has allowed me to yeah, try to stay on top of mind with people when they need it. And if, if you're thinking like – who does this? This is really unconventional, like this kind of strategic free work, no strings attached value. Well, we're talking about getting that 1% of great clients. Yeah, You're going to have to do unconventional things mm. to get unconventional clients, like the mm. kind that pay you more than you quote them. Mm. Your, th your theory on like, don't quit your day job. So 
I had a my my initial goal was like I can't wait to just be paid to make videos because I love making videos and uh, and so I worked as a busser, I was a server, I was a bartender. Uh, this was years ago, and I would get all the crappy clients, and and eventually I would burn out, like you said, and I would I would just go straight to like the service industry and try to figure out my life, and then I always come back to like this goal. I want to be, uh, I want to have freedom was kind of the driving force. I want to work for myself. I want to have clients that I really enjoy working with. And over the years, I've built it up to the point where I, I am self-employed. I am a freelance like content creator. I live in LA, which is a, you know, was a big mountain to climb for me. And now that I'm here, it's a funny thing. Cause I read your book. I reread it in preparing, in preparing, <laughs> in preparing for this talk. And I'm like, man, like, my day job is now uh, like video content creation and I'm, and my new goal is so different than that. It, it, it's blended though. So uh, I'm getting a little selfish with this podcast. I but, love it. But it's like, um, yeah, my worlds have become messy because for so long this is all I wanted. And now that I'm here, I can see like the next horizon and I'm like, well, there's more out there. And so it's a, it's a weird feeling to be kind of building two babies at the same time. Like, as you say perfectly, like if you're not growing your business, your business is kind of diminishing or I, I love that. Like if you're not growing, you're dying. So with my client's business, if I'm not giving it enough attention and trying to get new clients and putting effort into it, I may not, uh, you know, have the money to pay the bills. And I'm in a slow period right now, like came off of two very hot months, like great, great income, but then felt a little burnout. So I had to slow down had to kind of reevaluate where I'm at and now it's slower and I'm having all this freedom to enjoy my, my podcast and writing more and connecting with my audience online and doing the things that really make my, my soul very happy. Yeah. But then I still have my day job and my day job and my soul's passion. They definitely blend together because they're both in the creative expressive field. So what would you say to someone who had a day job or, or had that goal and the goal, you know, what would you say? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how to form that into a question. I ended. I know what you're saying, though. I ended up putting this kind of st my story yeah. in the overlap book that I wrote at the very end of writing the book as the first chapter, hmm. which is like, here's my journey. And I, I ended the first chapter by saying, you're always overlapping. Hmm. Do, you, do we need to? No, no, you're good. Okay. Three more minutes. <laughs> so you're always overlapping from one thing to the next. You're going from the thing that it, it pays the bills right now. Maybe it was what you really were into a couple of years ago, but it's kind of taking you to the next thing. And you've found a new outlet, a new passion, a new thing you want to go to. Mm. And that's been the case for me. Just from one thing to the next, it leads me to the next. I'm always overlapping. There's the thing I've got going on right now. And then there's that next thing. Mm. So, I mean, I just wanted to say like, that's, that's a very normal feeling. Mm. And then how is that like coming back to the not being in scarcity so that I'm hedging for sure, I would call it, and like really working on the things that are strictly for me and getting my stuff out. But that's not yet grown into the tree yet. You know, it's still a seed. It's it's sprouting. It's a kind of a twig. So I don't want to lean on it. Right. As Sean would say, <laughs> I don't want to lean on it too early uh, or else it'll snap. And uh, it might put too much pressure on me. It might stress me out because I need this thing to work so bad. So I'm, I'm still doing the, the freelance work and I really do enjoy it a lot of the time. And like it feeds into my other work because I get to meet really cool people. I get to learn from their business. I get to develop my ability to tell stories. I get to learn. 
Um, but my, uh, my attempt to grow into a bigger shell and to charge higher prices, it sometimes works. It sometimes doesn't. When I'm in this lull, how would you kind of advise to like, be careful for that scarcity mindset? Cause like I can feel it. If, if the situation I'm in now, luckily I have, have some built up, but like if this lingered for like another few months, I'd have to like step into scarcity mindset. So yep. would you say to someone like me, like, uh, when you have a new idea of where do you want to go, go like start over or, uh, like get a new day job. Like when someone finds that second overlap, like you, there's always that second thing. When yeah. is it the right time to really like roll over into it? Great question. <laughs> Thanks. So you're ready to go to that second overlap when, and, and to, to recap, the overlap is when you've got the main thing that pays 100% of your bills, whatever your expenses are in a month, it's covering it completely. Not 50%, not 60%, not 80%, but completely. If you have that, and that's the current thing you do, and you want to do something else, then you can start to make that transition to the new thing. If you don't have that, meaning the main thing now has, let's say, dipped to not covering 100% of the bills, then you'd want to take that step back to take a step forward, by which I mean getting the day job, whatever it is, the washing, the dishes, you know, whatever that is for you, getting the day job that covers 100% of your bills. That's your foundation that prevents scarcity mindset, that allows you to be selective in how you pursue this next thing. That makes sense. Um, the way you talk about like scarcity mindset and aligning, it really, like where did you learn to use this kind of vocabulary? Because like I talked about in our last podcast, the only place I've heard this kind of vocabulary and I'm kind of a spiritual person is like spiritual communities. And it's like, mm. it's very cool. It's like, yeah, because I don't, I don't want to say I have, like I have you pegged, but like I wouldn't expect you to use this kind of vocabulary of like, scarcity and abundance and uh because when you are in that mentality you definitely attract that kind of things to you and when you're scarcity and you like expect it's almost like what you expect you get um like how did that kind of develop for you i don't actually know where i picked up the terms yeah because i've used them for so long um okay here's an example it's like your mindset needs to be different than your circumstances that's like Right. Typical. That's like energetic. I mean, I'm here in Venice. So I'm becoming more familiar with this kind yeah. of like vocabulary. And that's like one of the main things I would say is like uh, you have to be able to envision and visualize and taste and touch the life you want before it's even here or else you'll never get there. Which sounds so ethereal. You yeah, know, it does. Or, or... But you use it as like this is no, like you have to. It is like scarcity mindset. And let, let's just say what that is, right? Scarcity is like scarce resources. You're in the desert for three days. You haven't had water. Water is a scarce resource. Mm -hmm. What would you do for water at that point? Well, probably a lot of things that you wouldn't normally do. You you might compromise on certain things like your dignity or your morals at that point when you're desperate, when you're when you're in circumstantial scarcity. Similarly, when you have scarce resources like money, you can get desperate. You might end up doing things that you wouldn't normally do and aren't really good for you in the long run just to make ends meet right now. That That's circumstantial scarcity. To get out of scarcity mindset, you have to think in terms of abundance, which is very difficult because 
It's like, I, I should be happy when everything around me is good. And I should be sad when everything around me is bad. Mm-hmm. But you have to have an abundance mindset while in circumstantial scarcity. Because mm-hmm. scarcity mindset only begets more of the same. Mm-hmm. So you have to... How do, how do you... How in the world do you adopt an abundance mindset while in circumstantial scarcity? You may have noticed while listening to this episode that this type of talk, this type of energy and conversation is not familiar to you. And it's it's why you gravitate towards it. Like this is this this feels like 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 a good meal, you know, like this is the kind of conversation and and you know topic that I don't get in my life. My friends don't talk like this. My family doesn't they they don't go to these subjects. We just kind of avoid that. We talk about you know the game on TV or whatever, right? But but there's something about this that like is meaningful that mm-hmm. that you want. You've got to put yourself in in a place where you actually feel like the odd one out. Mm-hmm. So if you were here together with us sitting in this room, you might feel like the odd one out. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even I couldn't even contribute to this conversation. This isn't how I think. This isn't how I talk. That's good. Mm-hmm. You want to get in a circle of people that are like that where you're actually the odd one out. Because right now, if you feel comfortable, you know, being with your friends and your family, your current circle of influence, uh, and, and a lot of times when you're in cir- circumstantial scarcity, the people in your life have scarcity mindset. Mm. So they're actually holding you down. And, and the way I think about it is scarcity and negativity, it has gravity on its side. It's like trying to pull someone out of a hole. Mm. It's easier for them to pull you down into the hole because they've wow. got gravity on their side. Wow. You've got to get around people who are already thinking this way and start to change your mindset, hmm. which can include books. It cl- can include podcasts, people you follow on Instagram, people you subscribe to on YouTube, but certainly people in real life. So it's, it's two-part. Cut out the negative. There's people you follow that you shouldn't be following. Just unfollow. You don't need that kind of negativity in your life. But maybe it's also people and maybe it's friends. Cut out the negativity and then get around positive people. Hmm. How would you recommend someone if they have someone that's close in their life that has a little bit of that like pulling me down the whole energy? I have uh, a lot of empathy. Yeah. How would you recommend kind of like remaining like uh, mindful of the fact that like this is an important person in my life. I yeah. want I want to be kind Family, to them. I understand know? them. Yeah. So many people. This is my take on it and it, it's it's controversial. Um, but going off of this theory that negativity has gravity on its side, it's easier for them to pull you down than for them, for you to pull them up. If you really care about them right now, their mindset is such that they're not going to respond to you trying to talk them out of thinking a certain way. This is my, this is my approach. You can take it or leave it. I would cut ties for now so that you can spend your time getting in the right mindset around positive people who are thinking in terms of abundance such that you can pull yourself out of circumstantial scarcity, right? So like then you're in circumstantial abundance. You're going to be in a better position to be able to help someone. Mm -hmm it's much more likely that they keep you. It's, it's, I talk about it in the, the overlap book, crab mentality, crabs in a bucket. Any one of them could escape by grabbing the edge and pulling themselves out. 
The reason they don't is because the other crabs pull him back down when he tries to escape. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, mm, what was I about to say? I missed it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, we were talking about the uh, abundance. So it's like, it, for me, I keep thinking about like this spiritual perspective of it because like the, the abundance mindset and, but like you show up, you show up, you show up, you have that, uh, the mindset that precedes the circumstance. So you do that over and over and over and over and you, you but your circumstances haven't changed for you. Mm. You're one of those people I admire and your ability to just have incredible output through writing and podcasting and all your courses and you show up, man, like you show up over and over and over. And it's obvious that, uh, you have that, that mindset that like things before they have shown themselves to me physically are already almost here. I already am in that energy. I'm kind of enjoying it already before it's here. What would you say to someone who has trouble, you know, that first week of being excited about all the good things that are coming and being like, acting as if it was already here is easy when that momentum isn't as fast as people maybe had hoped. It starts to wear off. You get home from the conference, the the energy goes away. The novelty. Yeah. Yeah. It it goes, you have like that, uh, that, that curve of like that first two weeks is fast, but then it kind of slows down. Gotta stay plugged in, Mm. cut out the negative. Okay. You did that. You stopped following the people. You stopped watching the shows. You stopped going to those places, you know, and you add the positive. It's content online and it's people in person. You've got to stay plugged in constantly, 24-7. All the time, I'm listening to stuff like the thing that I'm talking about right now. All the time. Define plugged in. Okay, so content-wise, if you're going to use social media or YouTube or blogs or newsletters or whatever, follow only people that are adding value to your your life speaking positively mm. speaking in terms of abundance mm. listen to audiobooks read physical books you've got to reinforce that and then in person find your people find the people who are living the life you want to live mm. who have that attitude you, you you probably know those people like when they come in like they just have this this gravitas like this energy there's a sparkle in their eye you know it's just different get around those people be the weird one. Go where you're the weird one, where you're the odd one yeah. out until eventually you're not. Mm. Your mindset changes and then your circumstances follow. Mm. What was it that, is that kind of what helped you just showing up and showing up? Like, was there ever a point when you would question, like, what am I showing up for? Is this the right way to show up? Like, I'm thinking, po- like, you've done so many podcasts, you've written so much, like, is that what you would just do is kind of like just keep seeking those people that would almost make you think differently. It's almost like you, yeah, you would get so uncomfortable around these different circles and they would try to level you up or. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And it's honestly for me, mostly online. Hmm. I'm an introvert. I I do make an effort to go to those conferences and meetups Hmm. a handful a year, Hmm. but mostly I'm home. But when I'm home 24 seven, I'm piping that stuff into my ears. Hmm podcasts youtube premium and running in the background with the screen off you know mm. like i'm i'm just constantly audiobooks i'm piping that those messages into my ears i'm filling in all the gaps mm. in your book is there anything that like you've recognized after the fact people gravitate to one of the specific aspects of your book like when people see you like they're like sean like this is the part like 
If so, anything stand out? There's a lot because I set out it's to write so three books yeah, and I so much condensed in it into one. That's that's a tricky part about this podcast is like I have so many things I want to talk to you about. So normally I would like kind of just like bounce, but I feel like I'm like, I need to try to put you in this box, man. That's really hard. But yeah. is there, that's why I ask like low hanging. Scarcity hang f- mindset's a big one. Yeah. And then just the overlapping thing. Another one would be curating. So like, what do you want to be known for? And there's, Curate, curating curation is like um you know think of a magazine it's about certain topics they select certain articles you know yeah. around a theme and, and you would subscribe because you want more of the same or you follow someone on instagram because you like what they post and you want more of that type of thing what is that for you what is your expectation that you're setting for people what is it that you're known for what, what can people expect to get from you if they were to follow subscribe right and it's difficult to kind of narrow down and, and choose that so that, hard that vein but people are forced to simplify because we're, we're cognitively limited there's dunbar's number of 150 close relationships and people want to know what you're about like you're you're the you're the film guy right you know and they want to put you in a bucket they want to put you in a box right you can't change the fact that people are going to put you in a box. You can only define what box they put you in. Mm. And the difficult part is if you try and be everything, you don't go in all the boxes. You go in the junk drawer because they don't know where to put you. The hard part is choosing the box because for me, I, I'm, I fall in the category of like, you can't put me in a box, man. Like, yeah, it's so hard. And I was in a box for a while and then I ended up being like, I don't like that box. And I've been, I've pivoted the box and now it's like, well, I'm scared to just choose one box. So what would you say to that? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people starting out, especially like, I don't know how to kind of encapsulate my thing, you know? Mm-hmm. When when you look at people and you compare yourself to people who are so like that thing, uh, it's hard to know where to start with that. Well, you are much more than what you do and the one thing you choose for now, yeah. which is a good point. Like it's a seasonal thing. The thing you choose doesn't have to be the thing you do forever. I've changed and changed and changed and changed, but by focusing on one thing at a time in a given season, I simplify myself enough to be memorable. So people come in, I was talking to you a little bit about it before we started recording this idea of what, why, and what's plural. So this, it's kind of a, a, a chain. It starts with the initial what. You know, you do watercolor painting of animals, right? It's this very specific thing. And it feels like, oh, I'm, I'm so limited. I'm, I'm also really, I'm into food and I like writing fiction. And, you know, I'm an interesting person. And, and we all are. But the types of things you like to follow have some kind of expectation, right? Yeah, and then so eventually you get to know the person. So you go from the initial what to the deeper why. What is it this person's about? Why is it they do the things the way they do? What are their principles? What are their what is their goal, their mission, their theme? Who who are they? You start to get a little bit of their characteristics and personality. And that leads you to their other what's, the other mm. things that they do, which maybe right now they do them, or maybe it's in the future. Like two years from now, they're done with the watercolor painting of animals. And now they want to do oil painting of landscapes or or maybe they want to do something completely different that's not art but you might actually follow them to that next thing because mm. now you feel attached to them you feel connected to them and you care because it's 
they did this thing and you mm. you like them. Mm. So you can't choose a wrong initial thing. It's just going to lead to the next thing and it's going to simplify you. Yeah, it's going to kind of snowball into the next thing and then the overlap continues. Yeah, I meet people at conferences and and they haven't figured out what they want to be known for. And so they spout out three to five different things. And I I really try to be engaged and pay attention. But a few minutes later, I forget. And I, I don't just forget what they do. I forget about the person. Hmm. And and it, it hurts to say that because I don't I, I care about them. But like I'm forced to simplify. I've got a lot going on in my life. So if they choose that one thing, there's a chance that I might grab on yeah. for the ride. Yeah. And there's that we go back to that thing uh, with the making it easy for people to refer you. I think that that's oh, what yeah. just came to mind. Like if you say, "Oh, I do five things," people will be like, "All right, well, if I'm going to refer you for something, I want you to like that's your thing." We refer specialists. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's choosing almost to specialize and and just trusting that I guess that will lead into what it needs to lead into is what I'm taking away from that personally. Yeah, you're not you're not stuck with one thing forever. Yeah. Which I I so tend to think whatever season I'm in now uh is going to last way too long, you know. Or that I'm stuck. Uh is there anything that surprised you in working with these people and helping them transition from um you know, doing what they may not like to doing what they like? What what has stood out as like a surprise through this process? Just how simple the things are that keep people stuck. Hmm. Like at the San Diego meetup that I just did, uh, you know, travel, doing all this travel and stuff, we're doing meetups in different cities. There's a guy who wanted to make YouTube videos. He wanted to get started on YouTube, um, but he need he needed to build his website and he wasn't sure which website platform to use. And also with his videos, he's trying to get the lighting right. And he thinks he knows what he wants the videos to be about, but he was like, do I make videos first or do I build my website first? And it was it was so confounding to him. He was just stuck overthinking not doing anything yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And I told him, it doesn't matter. You can do either one. Start making videos. Start working on your website. <laughs> start making videos about how you don't know which one to start on. Make, yeah. You know, just begin. And it, it just unlocked everything for him. Like, mm. oh, wow. Yeah, because everyone's so worried about I got it. What is the next perfect step? Like mm. we could we could do so many different things. It's like spinning around in your office chair, three hundred sixty degrees of options. I could go any way, any direction. But what if I pick the wrong direction? Mm. So we just stay right there because we're, we're paralyzed. We don't want to go the wrong direction. There, there's no right direction. You, you can't steer a parked car. Mm. You've got to take that next imperfect step. And then you've got this momentum you can course correct. Hmm. It's it's indecision that's the enemy. Hmm. When have you faced that, if at all? Indecision? Yeah. I overcomplicate everything. Like in in business, like I I like complexity, which is is it's not a good thing a lot of times because business is successful businesses are simple at their core like their business model is simple and i i get caught up with indecision on like in what way should i make this complex and like adding automation and mm. like you know the, these you know just throwing software at stuff without just like 
looking at what is our what is our business model you know what are we trying to do here what's our goal who is this for mm. um so I, I i tend to get get in the weeds yeah I, that makes me feel better you know because <laughs> it's easy to look at you and, and and think that there isn't that because you have such an output but i like that the simplifying of what am i trying to do here uh how can i do that just just start with that you know ask yourself a simple question how can i make that simple what would this look like if it was easy a question I like to ask myself or what would it look like if it was simple and just go. And content, content for me, it has to, uh, has to be perfect. What is it going to look on, like on my Instagram grid? Yeah. And, it, and oh, the, that's so much the hex color and, you know, like yeah. silly stuff. And I've gotten better at, at curbing that perfectionism. Just like I'm going to mess up the Instagram grid on purpose mm. just because I'm overthinking everything. Break the seal of a perfection. Yeah. Sh- should I, should I record this selfie video with the front facing camera or turn it around and somehow try and make sure I'm in frame? Like I overthink all of that stuff. Wow. Yeah. We all do. I want to uh, slowly wrap this up. I, I could go on for so long. So this is, it's tough. This is one of the hardest ones I've ever done, Sean. I'm <laughs> telling you, man. <laughs> I love your work, people. If you're listening, uh, you've been a huge reason why I have been able to charge more in my freelance business, why I've had the confidence to step into this abundance mindset. Not only because I've I've heard it from a spiritual perspective, but to hear it from someone who's in the weeds, like doing the thing, uh, holds a little different weight. It's like, oh, this is no, this is actual practical advice. Um, you've been a huge part in me adopting uh my writing habit that has already started to yield amazing benefits so thank you for making the time and thanks for doing the work you do man i'm so glad i wanted to, to, I wanted to appre- appreciate you on air um, thank you one other question i like to ask is uh assuming you would change nothing and everything happened for a reason is there any piece of advice or encouragement that you would give yourself at age 25 man why <laughs> You, you've you've got a lot of time. You don't have to work so hard. Um, it's really easy to work hard and more quickly take yourself in a direction you don't want to go. Um, prioritize your health and your relationships. People, pe- people matter. I learned from the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Be if um be efficient with things, be effective with people. I was definitely often trying to be efficient with people. Like just you know, trying to get through like, okay, come on, this is what we're trying to do mm-hmm. and not like being empathetic, not trying to understand. Mm-hmm. So efficient with things, effective with people. Mm-hmm. That's amazing, man. Anything I left out? I mean, there's always things. There's always, there's things. always anything things. that you want to no, make sure. No, that's in. no, this is good. This right. is good. Hopefully, uh, yeah. And where if, can people find you, of course? Well, you can find me on social media at Sean West. My business website is seanwest.com, S-E-A-N-W-E-S.com. But right now, I'm documenting a sabbatical year. So if you want to follow that journey, what does it look like for a workaholic to travel for a year? Uh, sabbatical.blog. Cool. And check out the Overlap book, everybody. Thanks again, Sean. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Cool. Wrap. Thanks for checking out the podcast, people. I really appreciate you. I really, really do. If you're interested in learning more about what I'm learning, I get a lot of questions like, Max, what are you reading? What are the books you recommend? 
What are some journal prompts you recommend? What are the podcasts you're listening to, et cetera, et cetera? I'm starting an email list, and I would love to add you to it. I'm going to share the link in the show notes. If you're interested in receiving an email from me, probably only like twice a month, but I will be sharing things I'm working on internally. I'll be sharing reflections about what I'm going through. I'll be sharing books, podcasts, videos I'm super enamored by at the moment, and all the other good stuff. So if you're interested in learning in me, with me, I meant to say, uh, in real time, I would love to have you on my list. I'd love to connect with you on a more one-to-one basis, and I think email is going to be a fun way to do that. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I appreciate you guys, and I'm excited to share more with you. A lot more great stuff coming. Be sure to leave reviews. Be sure to share this with your friends, family, grandma, uncle, sister, brother, dog. Share it with everybody. I love you guys. Thanks for the support. See you on the next episode. Bye-bye.